Maybe don't know. Maybe don't know. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 89 of the Power Company podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. I am about midway through my big road trip. Um, just left St. Louis yesterday. I believe it was yesterday. Um, the days are getting all cloudy to me at this point. Left St. Louis, where I had an amazing time at the showdown. I had a great time working with everyone who came out for the workshops. So thank all of you a ton for coming out. I really love getting to meet new people every single time I go to St. Louis, and it surprises me every time. So thank you. I actually got asked a really interesting question during one of the workshops at Climb So Ill. I was asked if I named the company the power company because I was bad at power. And, you know, I make no bones about the fact that that power was one of my big weaknesses early on, and it's something I've worked really hard at. And I also am very open to throwing my hat over the fence and letting everyone know my goals, putting them out there. Um, and while... While that just is coincidence, it was never part of the actual plan, it's a really interesting idea to think about. So I'm just going to pretend it was something subliminal, and that's going to become a factual part of the origin story of power company climbing. So, so thanks, Tina, if you're listening, for the great question. I thought about it for probably two hours of my drive yesterday. My drive, that is, to Columbia, Maryland, which is where I'm stationed right now as we speak. Uh, and tomorrow begins the Climb Strong Performance Climbing Coach Seminar, where I'll be speaking and coaching. And I'm really excited to see all of the, you know, how the presentations from the other coaches have evolved and some of the new ones uh, who are uh, new additions to the seminar. Um, really excited to see those and to get to work with the coaches. That's become such a valuable part of, of what we do here. Uh, from here, I head to Alexandria, Virginia to Sport Rock. I'll be there all week from Tuesday, April 10th through that Saturday. So if you're in the area, please come out. Please say hello. I would love to meet and to work with that community out there. So while I'm out on the road and I'm traveling, I spend a lot of time just in my car thinking and and I think about these workshops and this seminar and how I can add more value, um, how I can get the message across better to all the people who are taking the workshops, um, whether it's climbers, youth athletes, coaches, whatever it might be. And uh, at this Climb Strong Performance Climbing Coach Seminar, I'll be talking about deliberate practice and mindset. And I'm of the opinion that practice is something that somewhere along the line has gotten lost in climbing. It's something that um, 
for lack of a better word, we don't practice anymore. It's just not a regular part of most climbers' sessions, uh, at least not in a really dedicated, intentional sort of way. So in wrestling with these ideas, I was reminded of a, a really great, wide-ranging conversation that I'd had with my friend Peter Bonamici uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and for some reason, it just never made its way out of the vaults and, and onto the internet. And I've actually had some requests recently to put this interview out there. Um, and I've had requests because Peter is, A, he's a really strong climber. And I should... I should use the word good because he's a really good climber. He's not just a strong climber. There's definitely a difference. And he puts a lot of thought into his climbing, like most of the of the good climbers do. And and he's a living Midwest legend. Um and the story he told me that stuck in my head was uh was that after he climbed his first V13, he realized he didn't really know how to heel hook, that he'd been doing it wrong. But I'll let him tell you that story. You know, someone might give you, it doesn't seem like you're pulling hard enough with your right foot. Like that's one piece of beta, but a different piece of beta might be, you just need to fire this thing right now. Gave me this great anecdote about learning to heel hook. Sure, as a V13 climber, learning to heel hook. Hardly a V13 climber. Okay, well, for, you've, for, you've for climbed. The yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've climbed V13. Some but, people would say that's making you a V13 climber. Well, some people would, some people would call themselves a V14 climber at that point, just because they're trying V14 now and then. Well, you know, I like to think that I'm not some people in that category <laughs> anyway. But so anyway, we. Um, there was this boulder at local area, and uh, somebody had gone ahead and climbed it, underclinging this detached or this block, smearing on this other boulder with their feet, climbing this compression feature. And I started trying to climb it with just one of the boulders, just straight squeezing. Uh, honestly, because mostly. bouldering rules. Yeah, because bouldering rules, and you know, mostly just to <laughs> you know prove prove a point. Like, oh, bouldering just uses one boulder, whatever. Um, and it turned out to be like pretty hard. I spent a lot of days climbing the, or trying to climb this pretty terrible boulder, maybe like 15 days or something like that. And so then, you know, season ended and went around to some other areas. And throughout that period, I kind of got in my head, oh, well, if I climb a lot of heel hook problems, maybe I'll be able to do this terrible boulder back in my local area. Um, maybe I'll like get strong enough in my heel and my hamstring, et cetera. And so I did that and climbed a bunch of terrible heel hook problems. And when, you know, I got back to the, back to the project in the spring, I actually realized that I'd been doing it wrong. I moved not my heel, but my left foot, it's a right heel, left foot, um, to a different position. And that's when I realized that actually by climbing all these like 
bad heel hook problems. I'd gotten better at heel hooking, not stronger at it. Yeah. I ended up doing the boulder really fast and it was nowhere near as hard as I thought it was. And I just wasn't doing it right. I didn't understand it, but through doing a bunch of terrible problems, I keep saying they're terrible. They're not that bad. Um, <laughs> I, I like definitely like elevated my ability to just see how and understand how like heel hooking works. Yeah. So, so why not just go into the gym and work on heel hooks? Yeah. I mean, I guess we were talking about that a little yeah. bit too the other day. I think heel hooking in the gym is it's like necessarily different than heel hooking outside because so many times outside you're heel hooking like just around a bulge and maybe you get maybe you get a small edge or a crystal or something on granite but most of the time you're just like around a corner squeezing, squeezing with it yeah. and figuring out how you use like both legs to squeeze and how to put like enough pressure on that heel that it will stay on you know essentially nothing so what you're saying is that heel hooking is not just draping your heel over a jug no, no. Throw, <laughs> throwing your heel around a around a technic fat lip is uh, is not quite not quite heel hooking, or I mean it is heel hooking. You know you're putting your heel on it, but that I mean that, and that's one level of heel hooking and definitely a level that is important to learn. But then as you progress, like eventually, heel hooks outside, and that might be even at a relatively easy level. Yeah. stop being on holds and start being yep. around corners and sure. that's something that's really hard to train in a gym yeah just to kind of catch everybody up here who's listening um peter and i and nate have been having some really great conversations the last couple of days and i haven't had a microphone on and every single time i'm like fuck i wish i had a microphone on so now i've got a microphone he says that on. too every time yeah i do and <laughs> And I'm like pulling out my phone trying to record everything and I don't have enough memory. So, you know, but, um, so now I'm turning a microphone on and I'm going to force Peter to recount some of these stories. So, and we're going to get into some new territory and we're just going to go off here for a little while while we're drinking coffee and trying to wake up. So, um, since we're on the topic of learning techniques, um, you're a, would you call yourself a solid V12 climber at this point? What would you call yourself as a solid climber or do you? I don't know. I don't really get into that so much. Okay. Um, well, you've climbed, I, some, I have, you've climbed some hard boulders. Let's yeah, just say I've, that. I've done, you know, I've done a handful, I guess. Hard for me anyway. Yeah. Not so hard for other people. I mean, it's interesting. But I'm, hard for a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Lots of boulders that yeah. lots give of your, people. Give lots, yourself some credit. Here. Lots of people can do faster yeah. than I can and probably more than that will never do them. And that's just kind of the way it is. But that's yeah. the way it is at all levels. So yeah. That's cool. Um, I don't know. I have a bunch of different theories that we've played around with in terms of like what makes you what level um, we've played with. You know, you can do X percent of boulders at that grade in like any style in a yep. reasonable number of <clears throat> sessions. So call it three sessions or something like that. You know, you're not sieging every single one to get it done, but you know, you're also not flashing all of them. That would be unnecessary as well. Sure, sure. We've played with, you know, just you've flashed a couple levels below that. So, you mm -hmm. know, that's about the level that you're, that you're climbing. Um, I'm starting to get that you love these numbers and lists. And yeah, like, oh, lists are fun, like for putting, sure. Putting things for into sure. charts Tick sort list, of thing. Charts. Yeah. yeah, I guess I'm kind of analytical in that way. Yeah, I love I love seeing that stuff. I'm not as good at you know putting it together and breaking it down that way. But 
Well, like the, I love seeing it. Yeah, I mean the the like Japanese rating system is really interesting in this in this way because you know they they borrowed it from not just martial arts. I think that that's where oh, the really? way that people think about it. But they they apply that same like Don scale and it's like I didn't know that Kaiyu or something for the the amateur. So to other arts as well, like fine arts, like painting, um, right. to to essentially describe levels of mastery, and so. Right around V seven is where it switches, where they switch from like the amateur to master. So like if you are a quote unquote V seven climber, whatever scale you want to use, then you right. have a, you're essentially a single black belt in Crazy. the sport of rock climbing. So, and then it progresses on to, I think it tops out right around like six dawn right now would translate to v15 and they they have they've added some pluses and minuses into that scale to kind of account for the different french grades and yeah leave things a little bit open-ended but um but it's interesting because they're rating like that's a something that's being used to describe like people and mm-hmm. your level rather than being used to describe something else so in martial arts like they wouldn't describe some uh method of physical combat as being this hard they would describe right, the right. person as having that level of mastery oh, that's so really interesting i didn't you, know they graded that way well i think they just borrowed it gotcha and so there is more of a translation directly to the french and by sure. way of the french the the american rating system yeah. so the pluses and minuses, I don't remember exactly where they where they line up in terms of the in terms of the French grades and what sure, all, what, sure. what all the what all the breakdown is. But if you think about things like that, then you can think about what you know what set of criteria, what like tests, if you will, boulders as tests or routes as tests. Yeah. you like have to pass in order to things achieve to a master, certain level yeah. in order to mm. be able to say like I'm I've like I'm like have this level of mastery and so i think that that is kind of influential in at least like my way of thinking in terms of like what level climber you are so yeah the that's, fact that that's you can, cool i didn't i didn't know about this grading scale at all but i mean the japanese seem to have it figured out you know that's pretty, yeah that's pretty damn cool and that's one of the things i appreciate about the way you approach climbing is that you're not you're not out there number chasing at all necessarily i mean sure the numbers are a a good goal to have but you get just as psyched showing people around here at devil's lake you know we've had a couple really good days out there and and you get just as psyched on easy problems you know and i think that's pretty fucking cool yeah i mean as long as they're good (laughs) yeah i mean that's 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 sick and i mean it's been great having you around and getting to show you around and i mean What's more rewarding than having a local area that somebody's like, oh, yeah, I'd come back. I'm psyched to come back. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. This like, place that's is cool. If, thing. if you haven't been to Devil's Lake, you should definitely check this place out. It's it's a little extra warm and humid right now. It's it's what? A lot extra August. warm and humid. <laughs> but, but I could see how this place would be amazing. The rock here is probably the, some of the best rock that I've ever touched. It's super hard total bullet rock even though like you said the first day even the worst problems here are on bullet rock so you can't you can't factor that into the star system like if that was your if that was your way of rating a climb how good the rock is everything here would be five stars 
you know, I think that's pretty cool. Do you think you're um, spoiled by the rock quality here when you go other places? Yeah, probably. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but at the same time, I just kind of like rock climbing. And it's does that, go does that rock quality and... play into what you want to try when you go elsewhere? Or are you like, okay, I just need to lower my standards and climb on anything? I think I maybe like notice that the rock quality other places is maybe not quite up to up to the same level and but you know you appreciate yeah i mean you look at the whole average like i've climbed all over and so the average rock quality is maybe lower than it is right here but lots of problems all around have rock quality that's above average sure and even like specific holes on specific problems that i can think about are like really like a step above Mm -hmm. so so here, here's something interesting I think we could definitely dig into. This, and we haven't talked about this, so this will be an interesting conversation. And, and I won't be forcing you to dredge up things we've already talked about. So when I think of boulders, and I kind of, you know, I think in levels of, you know, there are, there are boulders that are this level above me, and then there are boulders that are out in the fucking stratosphere that I'll never be at that level you know, when I think of those levels above me, a level or two or three even above me, you're definitely a guy I put in that category. But when I talked to you about bouldering initially, you were like, oh, I'm not really good at bouldering. Like I'm not, I haven't really dialed into bouldering yet. You still think of yourself as, you know, a youth sport climber turned boulder. And sure. I didn't realize you'd only sure. been bouldering for like, seven years or something like yeah that. if that i mean not with any sort of like concerted dedication for more than i guess we're coming up on three and a half or so maybe three yeah that's crazy to me so because i, I think of you as a boulder you know i don't know why maybe it's just because well and the whole time that we've known each other of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. bouldering and so. you take this cool approach to it what are some of the things that you've like the mental switches you've made that you think are getting you closer to like being a master boulder, you know, that are different from climbing in the gym or being a youth climber or being a sport climber. Sure. Well, I, I think that the, I, the, the reason I say that is really that trying really hard on single moves or single sequences is still pretty, pretty challenging for me. And I, I think that part of it is that there have been a couple times that I've really been able to try what I would consider to be a hundred percent. And I, I yeah. you know, I say that realizing that I can probably try even harder. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's just I've I've felt like elevated beyond like my normal level of exertion a couple times and I know that so I know that that's attainable and I know what that feels like and I know that when I go out climbing it doesn't always feel like that right and, and we're so, not and we're not talking about just because I've got people of all levels listening we're not yeah. talking about leaving the gym and not being able to grip your steering wheel yeah that, no that no not at all I, I'm talking about like a single move that takes yeah, an full incredibly out concentrated amount of effort yeah um, and realizing that like, okay, that what I thought I was doing when I was trying hard on a single move wasn't exactly what 
I thought. I'm really good at leaving the gym and not being able to grip your steering wheel for, for, for the record. Like, <laughs> and we I'm, all, and I'm, we I'm all love that. I'm much better at that. Yeah. That, that, it's almost, e- like, that's almost easier because it doesn't take as much for sure. focus. Yep. Um, but anyone who's ever campus boarded knows, you know, you have to be like 100% focused through the entire movement and it's strangely difficult to do. Yeah. Um, it's really easy to think about how the campus rung feels in your hand. Oh, that feels a little worse than the last time I grabbed it. Rather than, you know, laser focus on the next move and exactly what you need to be doing. Yeah, and I bet actually coming from like the youth, the youth climbing background, especially sport climbing, I bet it's even harder because you're, you're used to routes that build up as they go. So, so you get that sort of red river style, like you get to get in the flow of it before yeah. you have yeah, to try yeah. a hard move somewhere up high. Definitely. You know? I definitely struggle with that. That's the that's the tough transition to bouldering for me is that it's hard for me to pull off the ground and explode. Like I want to climb 80 feet before I have to try hard. You know? Yeah, I mean, and if you're climbing 80 <clears throat> feet and trying hard, I mean, realistically, how, off, how hard off, is while that? off a bolt, it's, it can't be hard right? if you have exactly. a shot at doing it. There's no way. It's physically impossible or hard hard for you. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, no one can do that. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's not hard for them if they can do that. Yeah. At that and point, so, you don't have a hundred percent to give. Exactly. No matter how easy they defeat is. So, yeah. So that, that type of like really concentrated effort, I think Chris Schulte has written about it, mm-hmm. um, kind of influentially for me anyway. Um, I think he probably wrote a paragraph and wrote it off, but yeah, I mean, he's articulated it probably better than anyone else that I've read or listen to for sure and i think that's you know i think that's kind of the crux for a lot of people bouldering is connecting with that ability to try to zero in on that that moment of of pure focus and and pure effort yeah and that's and that's what these workshops we're out here doing about right you know but yeah figuring that out it's not easy so at at least we have these guys telling us how to do it so that's good We'll, we'll learn. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you think you had reached that and then later on down the road you realize you hadn't reached it? Or is it something that you weren't even aware you were trying to get to early on? Yeah, I think I wasn't even aware. Yeah. I think I kind of had in my head that I can take like kind of more, I guess I'd call it like a sport climber's approach to, to bouldering. And I mean, a friend of mine was giving me a hard time about this over the summer we were climbing together and he's like, Oh, you're taking like such a sport climbers approach. Like yeah. you've, you've done all the moves. You can do it. Just do it. And I'm like, Oh, well I should do some overlapping links. Yeah. And he was like, dude, just send it. And like, sure enough, you know, like go out and send it. And so it's cool to be like, all right, well, that's just a little bit of a different approach. And I think I've always kind of fallen back into like what I'm comfortable with, which is, you know, doing some overlapping links, getting tired, having it feel good and then doing it. But the really hard moves are never going to feel like really good. It's just going to feel hard. Yeah. You're going to have to try really hard every single time. Yep. And another friend of mine was saying that that was like his favorite part about a problem over, that he did, I guess, a few seasons ago now. But like it never felt easy. He always had to try hard. Yeah, I think that's a cool, that's cool. thing that you, even when you get that in sport climbing, it's a, you know, I had to try hard battling the pump. It's not a... Exactly. Like we're talking about, it's not giving pure effort on a move or two. Yeah, it's like, don't give in. 
Yeah, exactly. But, don't let go instead yeah, of exactly. try really hard. And I mean, it's it don't let go is oversimplifying it. You know, it, it's it's climbing with like as well as you can while in really the red. Tired. That's not oversimplifying. It. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. But you know, keep keeping your technique together yeah. and keep staying calm and staying sure. focused and not panicking because you start getting pumped and you know that type of thing as well. Yeah. How did how did you kind of come across the process like? Is it, did you watch other boulders, see what they were doing? Is it just something you fell into naturally? No, I mean, like I said, I think I like fall back into my, yeah. like the, like what I learned from people back sport climbing, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe I think that was probably like my last sport route, but, um, yeah, I guess more recently it's been friends of mine scolding me and that's so good to you have. know it's it, yeah it's definitely good to have it's it's helpful because you know someone might give you it doesn't seem like you're pulling hard enough with your right foot but like that's one piece of beta but a different piece of beta might be you just need to fire this thing right now sure right and that i mean that's beta in the same way it's beta on your approach on your like what you're how you're going about it yeah, on your on your on your process or yeah. whatever people say these days yeah i'm getting better at feeling that I'm not trying hard you know that was hard for me to realize and even though I've spent quite a bit of time working on learning to try hard you know I still like like you said I go right back into like let's relax as much as possible on this move you know even though I'm only doing four total moves for some reason I want to be as relaxed as possible sure you know I want to look like Francois <laughs> instead of looking like Chris Sharma for some reason yeah well, I think it's tough too, um, knowing when to differentiate the two. Uh, Dave McLeod writes on how in a session when you're working a high, high limit boulder, how you shouldn't be trying your absolute max until you know what you're doing. So the idea of breaking down moves, but I think for a lot of people, I know for myself especially, like knowing when to go from, oh, I think I can make this move feel a little bit better or this move going from that to switching to, okay, I'm going to turn everything off and just try hard. Like that for me, I know for a lot of people, it's a hard transition to make. Yeah. How do you know? Like what are there, are there any things that you, someone tells me, Hey man, just fire this thing. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's, that's definitely a piece of it. I don't know. It's, it's challenging because it, you can, you get to a point where, you know, you can keep on just messing with it right like you're 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 futzing with it instead of just trying hard and i think yep. you're you're trying to futz with hard things until they feel a little easier rather than maybe what you need to do is just turn it on a little bit and sometimes and that's something yeah. i battle with sometimes it's even kind of a safe zone to get into be like oh i'll just keep working this out and figuring this out and without realizing it might even be your way of avoiding you know the hard task of like okay i need to just like Try this from the start, yeah, like grit my up. teeth and get after it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I saw it in the gym the other night, and I think in the early stages of this, like learning to try hard, I think one of the common things people come across is like latching holds on big moves, you know? Mm -hmm. And I know that's tough for me, especially on my right side now. I have to kind of warm up into latching big giant moves. But, you know, I was working with a girl the other night in the gym, and she... She wasn't even getting to the hold at first. And once we started getting her to the hold, she just kept slapping at it. Like, I'm like, your, 
you could get three inches above that hold easy and you're just like laying your hand on it and then letting go and i think once you get to that point where you're getting to the hold that's when you need to start really saying okay i have to focus on that moment really really work on just latching that hold and trying really hard for that second to hold the swing or whatever it is that's happening and i think that's a really common way to ease into this how to try hard thing for sure yeah i mean um, like everything else there are different levels of it right like it's a right. different level of awareness and the the trick <clears throat> is or at least for me is like once you've glimpsed that next level then you're much more aware of when you're not in that mode yeah um for me oftentimes it's how hard am I holding something? Mm -hmm. Like, because I want, like I said, I want to be relaxed, open-handed, you know, I want to be giving as little effort as possible to a hold. And I, I really like climbing on this quartzite out here and on, you know, the granite up in Colorado because it forces me to hold on instead of just letting my skin do the work like I can do with the red, you know? Sure. So I think that's something really important too. How much are you relaxing on these little holds and then just slapping to the next hold? Like, or are you really bearing down? Yeah. I mean, it's cool. You just connected the dots between like here and like an Alpine area and like the Nice out West, because yeah. I, that's something that like, I've noticed too, that yeah. it's not that dissimilar. Or yeah. Similar shapes, similar, mm -hmm. similar texture. I mean, there's a little more texture on the knees, but not, not that much. Yeah. Um, depending on how much, how traveled it is, but I definitely think that there's, you know, it's just hard rock. That's one but of the smooth. things I thought when I first climbed here with you the other day was that's one of the reasons you're so good at that. You can do, go out West and do your hardest problems out there because this rock I think really sets you up for that. This this kind of slippery, you really have to keep tension, you really have to bear down kind of climbing gets you really prepared for that kind of climbing out there. Yeah, I mean it definitely shape I mean it shapes you as a climber, it shapes what like wherever you're climbing is going to change what you want because you mm -hmm. want to perform well, so you figure out the things that are going to help you perform well. And then you start to work on those things a little bit. And pretty soon you have what people would call their style. Yep. And then, you know, then that builds and then you want to do an even harder problem or route on, you know, in your area. And then you get even better. And now your style's even more defined. Yeah, I think that's and... pretty cool. And then you go other places where the style's sort of similar and, you do a little better and you go places where the style is a little different and maybe you do a little worse, but that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good to, to learn, learn all of it. Yeah, know? exactly. So we were, we were talking earlier and I think this was a really cool conversation. So I kind of want to bring it back up and especially in the style aspect, because we hadn't really talked about that. We talked a little about, you know, Jimmy and Adam Ondra and why they're so good at on-siding or flashing and, and how that works and and you guys you and nate both overlapped the two yeah, yeah, in, yeah in a really cool way and i think style plays into that like they've they've spent some time on other styles so they kind of know what to expect and that becomes part of their visualization or their setting up a simulator or whatever so why don't you tell me your theory about why adam ondra is so fucking good at on siding and it looks yeah. like he's climbed the route a hundred times already yeah, I mean, 
this is all speculation. I don't know. I don't really know anything about Adam's process or, you know, what he, screams he, what a he lot. does. Yeah, he, he screams a lot and he, he tries really hard <laughs> he and, tries he, really and he hard. wants it more yeah. than almost anyone else that I've ever seen. Sure. And that's obvious even from, from any video. But my like little theory, and I guess this was implanted by very, maybe like the first coach or mentor that I had and had in climbing is this idea of visualizing not just you know the sequence of hands and feet but also you know what it feels like mm -hmm. to climb the moves and that takes a really high awareness of rock climbing to be able to feel the positions without being on the wall and you see people trying to feel out positions and that's something that we were talking about trying to do even ourselves like feel yep. out where the best position is but you take a guy like Adam and it seems like he can just know by like intuition what it's going to feel like to be there. And it, it seems to me that it doesn't just look like he's climbed the route a hundred times. So he already has climbed the route a hundred times. Yeah. It's just all in his head. Like yep. he, he's already felt through the entire route. He has, he's so in tune with his body and in tune with how he fits into each position that probably already yeah, he's, probably, he's he, I mean, he's already done it. He's yeah. already done it he, in, in his head. Yeah. And like, that's a really special thing to watch. And I know the Il Domini video and you brought <clears> up the golden ticket video where he can just fly through things because he, he just knows what it feels like. Yeah, there's no figuring out anymore. Exactly. He's figured it all out. He's yeah. felt all the positions. You know, when you go into a gym or, or you're working on a boulder or a route or whatever, and you you... It's amazing that, and we all experience this at all levels, that if you try a move, it feels impossible, you know, five tries later, you're doing the move every time. It's not because you got stronger in five tries. It's because you learned it, you, your body learned those positions, and you can just go into those positions every time now. Adam does that, you know, he, he feels his way through mentally and and he he just he can sense what it's going to be like so he goes through that without actually having to try the move yeah and i mean nate was talking about um you know what like jimmy kind of taking that maybe to the next level where he can yeah. he can watch things maybe a video understand what it's going to feel like to do it and then create some sort of simulator in the gym that mirrors those feelings mm -hmm. and then be really close to reality which is pretty cool because most of us, or at least we had this conversation the other day, we watched a video and like, it's so hard to tell what's going on from that video. Yeah. Like it's yeah. so hard to tell what, what it's actually like from watching the video. And yeah, it was a little grainy video, but still like that, it, that's like to, to Jimmy's credit, being able to do that is showing an incredibly high understanding of rock climbing and rock climbing movement. Yeah, it's easy to get caught up in his pinch strength, but there's something else going on there that makes his climbing sure. so special. Yeah. And you look at how many climbs that both of those guys have done. I think Jimmy's done like over 900 double digit boulders at this point, 130 being flashes. Yeah, at least just and same thing with Adam. I mean, was it just like two, three years ago? He had done his 100th 9A and harder. Yeah. So, I mean, that That's kind crazy. of volume and man. <clears throat> Having climbed around Jimmy, that guy, he literally climbs everything around him. Like, it doesn't matter if it's some super bunchy crimp boulder, which actually, if anything, he's more attracted to those because the things that are hard for him, he goes after even harder. And it's 
man, it shows because now he can climb such a broad variety of moves and he understands them so well. It's, yeah, it's super impressive. Slots yeah. in those positions quickly, sometimes in just one try. Often in just one try. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and I think that's really important that you, you brought that up because having that library of moves at your disposal, you know, having all those tricks in your bag that you can employ at will whenever you want to is a huge part of it. You know, you're not going to go out at your first time climbing outside and be able to do what Jimmy and Adam do. No, of course no way. Not. You have to spend a lot of time building up that bag of tricks that you've got. To get pretty good for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yeah. It, it's very likely that never at that level yeah yeah but for sure for like, sure. they're really in in like a totally different realm oh, yeah, of understanding they're, but they're but, way out you know, in the stratosphere so. but that doesn't mean you can't look at them and kind of see what they're doing yeah use a little bit of that to try to elevate your own climbing to whatever level you're looking to to reach and that yeah. i mean that's what's so cool right like we were saying that too earlier that climbing special in that you can have a really similar experience at all of these different levels mm-hmm. and relate to another climber yeah. and their experience um regardless of what of what level it's at yeah obviously and we, and we get to see little. videos of these dudes regularly you know? oh yeah and i think that's fucking cool that like jimmy's rockland's you know yeah, first try flash. video yeah. is one of the most impressive things i've ever watched and i've watched it over and over you know and and i'm not like a i'm i'm not a climbing porn watcher i don't just go watch a bunch of videos like i think both of you guys do you guys are insane and but i but i love that video <laughs> because if you really watch jimmy if you don't just watch it for the climbing porn side of it you know if you really watch what he's doing his hand goes into position as he's leaving a hold mm-hmm. to grab the next hold. Like he's grabbed that hold a hundred times and knows exactly the position his fingers need to be in because he has in his, you know, he's done it with his body without ever touching the rock over and over and over. And like Nate said, he sets simulators and, and you said he's really, he's like unnaturally good at coming up with the simulator, not having ever tried the problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he just understands that geometry so well that he can put it together that way. You know, and I think that's super important to watch those videos, not just as climbing porn. You know, if you take everything into account, like Adam, that's his first try on on Golden Ticket. You know, watch how well he climbs it or watch how well Jimmy does all these boulders. You know, watching him flash sky is crazy to me. Those moves look so complicated but they look like he's done them a hundred times. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, his body's right in the right position. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's definitely cool. So talk to me about The Shining. That's your That was your, your big goal. Oh, yeah. Last year, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Problem. Pretty far up in chaos. Actually, a Jimmy Boulder. So here yeah. we go. I, I did the transition for you. Yeah. Um, I like it. You got a job. You're hired. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Maybe I'm getting the hang of this now. This weird mic thing. What what caused you to want to go out like to the furthest flung bouldering in Rocky Mountain National Park? Oh, I don't know. It's fun. 
that's one <laughs> I of don't the, know. I think it's just part of my personality. Like I can't explain that shit. That's one of the like, highest hard boulders in the U.S., right? Or am I yeah, totally no, I mean, that? it's got to be like the I think Lincoln's all higher and there might be some other stuff at Evans. But honestly, it's all kind of semantic once you're above 10,000 feet. Sure, like, sure. You're not going like the elevation isn't really materially different in terms of like oxygen level in the air or anything like that. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but you're at a any, at any level that people are climbing at. But you're a Midwestern dude. I am a Midwestern dude. Yeah. Um. So what what makes you want to dig into that process so much that's that can be so fucking frustrating? Yeah, it can. At Especially a, on at that a one. place that's relatively difficult to get to. Uh, I I don't know. It, maybe I'm just crazy, but it all seems to like add to the experience to me. Like mm-hmm. I've never been that attracted to like roadside projects and stuff like that i, I don't know it's just projects. yeah i know right like <laughs> i wish i loved roadside projects like, they're so easy to try it's awesome but it just doesn't seem to quite do it for me maybe i need to be doing something different than everyone else or i, I don't know what it is but um yeah that boulder's really cool though and but it can be frustrating there's anyone who's familiar with it no there's one hold that just seeps all the time and mm. i think basically everyone who's logged it on like any logging site has said like, Oh, so glad to not battle conditions on this or so right, glad right. that I got lucky on con- with conditions and all of that. Cause you know, it'll be dry and then it'll be wet for weeks and then it'll be dry and then it'll be wet again. So it sounds, it sounds like it's you like little... being frustrated. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Cause like I, we, I mean, we had a conversation, like some friends of mine, and I, this summer, beginning of the summer, and we had a conversation about, you know, like what proportion of your harder problems had you spent, you know, a decent amount of time trying. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Like we, we said like five days counted as a, as a decent amount. And I wouldn't consider that a long project at all. And I know yep. like Nale has talked about like, oh, you spent 12 days, 15 days on something like you didn't do anything. Right. Right. Which is, you know, you're definitely getting up there if you're devoting 15 days to doing something i mean you're definitely gotten frustrated if you spent mm-hmm. 15 days doing something yeah i've seen people get frustrated after 15 minutes i know right yeah. so imagine that person after 15 days right. well that they're not still going to that boulder and i think that's nolly's point when he talked about that yeah yeah um but like i've done a lot of other problems like pretty pretty quickly and in fact i, I don't think i've done that many boulders in more than five days or five or more days. In fact, I don't think I've done very many boulders in three or more days. It seems to be a, a one or two session type of thing for me. And kind of toward the end of last summer, I was looking for a little bit of a different experience, having done some some stuff faster and wanted to challenge myself. Not not like not even like challenge myself to climb like a physically harder problem, but challenge myself to stick with it. Yeah. Through a problem that was going to take me a little bit longer. Um, not and realistically probably not just more days of effort but also maybe some more focused preparation or something like that like yeah. that I, that i have to like actually elevate myself wanting to wanting to do you know wanting to do this wanting to do a boulder and yeah i think sticking with it across a few days in a season is maybe relatively easy like it's not that hard to physically get better at something but you know staying focused and 
willing, yeah. willing to keep on trying is something that, you know, yeah. I've definitely admired in other climbers and maybe something that I haven't been as good at historically. So it's, yeah, I think the hard part of it for people is willing to risk not doing it, you know? Yeah, that's a hundred percent part of it, especially when there are things that are far from home. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's things that are out of your control a little bit. Like, yep. Like it's not just, are you strong enough? It's, is everything going to line up and allow this to work for me? Yeah. I mean, especially once you get to a stage in your climbing where you start to obsess with things like skin and conditions and, and whatnot. I mean, I remember maybe like when I was blissfully ignorant of all of these things where like you just, you just go climbing in the red and it was 95 degrees and it didn't matter. And the route was in the sun, but like you were psyched. So you went climbing and like, that was cool. And now, I mean, like cut that in half and like I, my skin sucks and like all of this, you know, um, I'm so greasy today, you know, yep. you start to like obsess over those details that, I mean, they matter, right? Like I'm not saying they don't matter. They, they matter a lot. Otherwise you wouldn't obsess over them. For sure. But like all of those things can like kind of feel like they're conspiring against you. Where does your, I'm just curious here. Where does your level of obsession lie with that stuff? Because when I, you know, I have friends who don't believe in conditions at all. They're just like, conditions don't matter. But, and when I go out west, I'm like, what are you guys talking about? It's humid. You know, my fucking lips are cracking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I find myself in like three days going, oh, it's humid today, you know? And it's like 20% humidity. And I don't think the red's seen a day under 60, you know, in its yeah. entire existence. Sure. So, so my, my level of, of obsession with that stuff changes pretty fast. Does yours do the same or do you keep this Midwest like, oh, humidity is just part of it kind of attitude? Yeah, I, I, I think I was not very like it's kind of like a like a graph or something over the course of the years I've been climbing. I think mm-hmm. like when I was much younger, I didn't I didn't care at all. We're back to or, like, those I, didn't, I didn't even know. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, yeah. I got to put it in a chart. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, like in the early days, you don't really know what, what that is. You're like. Like I was like a competitive swimmer and climbing at the same time as a kid. And like, of course, your skin's like totally oozing. And now you've got guys wearing gloves in the shower and shit. So like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, let let alone going and doing a full swimming workout. So like not really caring very much then. And then like over time, maybe like probably around the time that I started bouldering more seriously, Uh becoming more and more and more and more obsessed and then over the last year, I definitely managed to climb some boulders in conditions that I would never have thought that I could climb right. those boulders. So yep. like I was climbing the southeast and, you know, the middle of March bouldering and highs in the low 80s. And did, you, did your car break down out there and you got stuck? Is that why you <laughs> no, were there? No, 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 no. What, what, what actually happened was we were there in, we were there in February and for just a little bit, I didn't really have any real goals, but I ended up trying a problem that I kind of always wanted to do toward, yeah. on like the very last day and like the last half hour just to see like, oh yeah, maybe I'll try to do this next year. Yeah. I think this is a pattern with me. And I was like, <laughs> basically I got, I got home and I was like, oh God, you know you're just obsessing over it because like you know you can do it and you should have tried it much sooner yeah and i basically drove back down for two days to do it like a week later 
for the nice. weekend. And yeah, so that that's how I ended up back there. But Obsession. yeah, like, yeah, yeah, obsession. And, you know, big believer in following the psych. Like if you got the psych and you can do it right now, do it because yeah, you don't no you don't you don't know when that's going to change. And then you'll look back and you'll think, oh, like I was fit enough to do it then. I didn't do it. I mean, psych on climbing, psych on different things within climbing, psych on things outside of climbing. And, you know, life takes all sorts of twists and turns. and You don't know exactly when when you'll get another shot. So take your shot. Yeah. So that, that, that was kind of my philosophy there. It's like, yeah, it's 20 hours in the car, but it's also a boulder that I've always wanted to do. And, yeah. You know, so, it, but anyway, what I, you know, this is kind of a diatribe, which I seem to do, but. That's why we're here. Exactly. We're, we're having a conversation. This, this is going to be called diatribes. We're, we're having, yeah, exactly. We're having, we're having a diatribization ization. <laughs> um, but I, I think that doing stuff like that, where there are highs in the eighties and you are climbing at a level that you never would have thought that you could climb when highs were in the eighties yeah. ever, like not in a million years. Yep. If you had asked me six months or even, yeah, six or seven months ago, I'd be like, I'm not doing that. Like, I can't do that. No one can do that. Right. Like you, you have to be Jimmy Webb to do that or something, you know, something. Yeah. Um, and then you do that a couple of times and you start to maybe realize that your window of acceptable conditions on problems that are at a reasonable range for you, maybe higher, like more difficult than, than you'd realized is, is pretty good. So, you know, yep. I've climbed problems that are relatively hard for me in 15 degrees Fahrenheit up yep. to, you know, highs in the 80s Fahrenheit, same level problem. And so that's like a pretty wide range. And so yeah. I guess anything in between is fair game on those. Nice. Just like kind of, yeah, it might be harder, but you can still get it done. Yeah. So and I think that's, that's important cool. to explore for people of all levels because. One of the things that really irks me about, you know, specifically the Cincinnati scene that's I'm only talking about that. So all you Cincinnati people perk up here. I'm talking about you. Um, a lot of people watch what what I might do as far as my seasons go in the red. And I'm like, fuck, no, I'm not climbing in the summer in the red. But what they don't see is that I spent 10 summers climbing in the red, you know, and climbing everything I could climb in those conditions. So now I'm just out of things I could go try in the summer, you know, and I still do go when the conditions are fairly bad. But I think if you're, if you only go out when you deem the conditions to be perfect, then you're, you're really shortcutting your learning, number one, and you're going to get a tenth done of what you actually could get done. Yeah, and realistically, most people don't have the luxury of only climbing when the conditions are perfect. Like, yeah, mo the vast, vast, vast majority of climbers have you, you, get you know time off you work. Go. Yep. They go on vacation. They go climbing, and like if the condition, the conditions just are whatever they are. And I guess yeah, realizing that I can get more done than I had thought is is you know definitely uh it opens up possibilities because you stop looking at yeah. weather and being like discouraged already like before you even try yep um, yeah. which is really easy to do puts a ton of pressure on things too if you're like i mean man living in the southeast for the last nine years i can tell you man there, this last winter we only had about two like 
great weeks of weather. I had a buddy who moved to Chattanooga last summer and at once the season ended in March, he was just like, man, I could have just traveled here from Boston for two weeks and I would have gotten the best part of the season. And, you know, I wouldn't have missed out on anything really. And so, yeah, if you're sitting around waiting for ideal weather the whole time, man, you're putting a lot of stress and a lot of pressure on yourself. You know, maybe not if you live out West because the weather's always great. And uh, I don't even care But even about out there, anyways. they complain. They're like, oh, there's two extra degrees of humidity. You know, I'm like, fuck, go rock climbing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Like, so anyway, like the shining, like we, I fell off at the very, very end when this seeping hold was dry and uh, ended up having to climb it with this seeping hold a little damp. Did for you, sure. did you beat yourself up at all when you, when you fell out of it dry? Were you like, that was my shot and I blew it? Yeah, a bit. And my friends will tell you that I was kind of like that was it was definitely stressful, especially the day that I went back and found it wet after falling off of the end of it dry before realizing, oh, I can climb it if it's a little damp. Like, it's okay. Like, it's harder for sure. There's no doubt. But like, I, I can basically get it dry enough that I can do it. Mm -hmm. Chalk, a towel, whatever. But like, you can get it dry enough pull on and do it yeah it's kind of funny in retrospect because we were talking about the legend the other day which was my first 13 513 at all in the red and that hold there's a seeping hold on that too yep. so i guess i just need hard seeping things for anytime yeah, i want to like should. push my limit a little bit well if you want to try something that doesn't seep just let me know and i'll go up with a spray bottle and wet it down for you yeah there, there you go yeah. that that way i'll get the full experience make you and... try a little fucking harder yeah because you don't try hard enough no I, well exactly <laughs> <laughs> i need i need those two moments again but no but i yeah, think it's i think cool. it's important to be able to make that mind switch man like if you don't ever climb in bad conditions, how do you know what you can do in bad conditions? You know, you you can look at that hold and be like, I've climbed in, you know, at Devil's Lake, Wisconsin in the middle of the fucking summer and done hard moves. So it's not going to feel that bad when I get up there. Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, and it's it's pretty low and it was I mean, I'm not saying it was dripping wet. But sure, it, sure. I sure. mean, it, it was damp like, yeah. for sure. And you'd have to then climb the rest of the problem with the fingertips a little damp but um yeah everyone everyone says it's a real battle real battle against conditions and it definitely seems like people congregate around little around little windows Mm -hmm. on that one and we were talking about everyone else who's done it like i've climbed on it we're a few friends of mine and i were joking around that basically climbed on it with the vast majority of people who have done it yeah just kind of waiting my turn but, and I uh, bet you every single one of those people who are up there battling conditions on that thing have climbed in a lot in really poor conditions. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, so I think I think the big they've all climbed away, a lot. Period. Yeah, and definitely in bad conditions. Yep. And I think the takeaway is, you know, for those those people who are learning to boulder, who aspire to boulder at that level, when you hear those people saying, "I'm just waiting for the the right." weather window or whatever i'm waiting for good conditions that doesn't mean you should wait for conditions because they've they've spent a lot of fucking days not waiting for conditions yeah i mean and there's a huge difference between climbing something at like your absolute limit yeah and you really need good conditions and good skin and climbing something that's maybe 75 or 80 percent of your limit yeah and a lot of us have seen the video of jimmy and and daniel 
out with Nolly checking out the Lapnor project yep. in horrible conditions. Yeah. We've all seen that. Those guys didn't sit in the gym and go, well, I really want to check that out, but the conditions suck today, so we're not going to go look at it. So. Yeah, but if they were trying to send it, maybe. Right. Yeah, like right. Nolly might just choose to save his skin. So, you know, it's it's like a push and, it's a push and pull yeah. and like what you want to do, yeah. but you can definitely climb things, in, I or I can definitely climb things in bad yeah. conditions and it might have to drop your expectations a little bit exactly just lower down a couple of grades and then i think too you can also kind of play around with the styles of boulders you know like if you're gonna go climb on a big on a roof that's like a power endurance climb it's gonna naturally have slightly larger holds so you're gonna have yeah yep you don't have to have the best of conditions versus if you're trying like a two move print problem all my boulders have slightly larger holds Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mine too. This is why Chris Jeez. doesn't care about conditions. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, if something gets all day sun, you're going to want it to be cold versus, yeah, if you're climbing on a roof that gets shade and wind all day long, then, yeah, you yeah. can definitely plan accordingly. Yep, for sure. You can always just go climb off width because off width is easy. Shit, no course. matter what. You definitely don't need good conditions to stick your feet above your head or something. Yeah, I don't exactly. know any I don't know anything about that. <laughs> cool. Well, I think we can wrap this thing up. So Cool. I appreciate you. First off, I appreciate you guys having us out here, man. Yeah, of course. I love, I love the Midwest and the, the little old gyms in the Midwest and people just love to fucking try hard here. So Yeah, it's cool. It's yeah. a good it's a good scene. People should come by. Yeah, thanks for letting me force you to sit down over coffee and whatever the hell that sparkling water you're drinking is yeah i don't know this one's lime it's pretty good <laughs> all right it's not man. the best but it's good cool thanks dude yeah no whatever i'm fairly sure that next time i talk to peter he's gonna tell me that he's not a legend i'm sure that's already in his head he probably turned the podcast off as soon as i said that um because he's a humble guy um but he's a badass and I appreciate him being willing to say I was heel hooking all wrong. I still had to figure it out. And I think, you know, I've, I've worked with 5'11 climbers who are like, I know how to heel hook. What are you talking about? So check your egos, check them at the door. I think that's the best way to get better at rock climbing. Admit that you don't know everything. Um, even the best climbers out there can still learn from a focused, intentional practice. So, if you are in Virginia, please come and see us. Alexandria, Sport Rock, will be there next week. I'll also be at Collegiate Nationals in Houston, emceeing for USA Climbing. Pretty excited to check out that comp. I've never even seen it. I'm really stoked for my first time to be on the mic in the meantime you know where to find us powercompanyclimbing.com at powercompanyclimbing on the instagrams on the facebooks on the pinterests which i still don't know a damn thing about it but now it's gonna be lana's job so thanks for that lana and you can look for us on the twitter but that's never gonna be lana's job because we don't tweet we scream like eagles this time, 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 this
Dungeons and Bears.